Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Well, we have a special, special speaker today. So I'm going to have Mr. Tim Pugh come on up here. He's going to share the word. So let's give him a big hand as he comes up to share. Come on. Sir, good morning. Hope y'all had good food this week. I know some people complain about the leftovers and stuff. Like, we always run out of them before I'm tired of them every year. So if you're tired of your leftovers and they're still clogging up your fridge, you know, just come down to Fletcher and uh, drop them off. Unless you're a bad cook, then you <laughs> just keep them. But, amen. but let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your excellent graciousness, King of glory, mighty God, the Alpha and the Omega. We just thank you, Father, for your manifest presence in our midst. And we don't invite you this morning. You're already here. We ask you, Lord, that you would just help um, awaken our hearts, awaken our spirit man to recognize your presence this morning, to commit to... uh, just uh, engaging with the presence of the, uh, the Almighty, the presence of the divine. Just come and anoint this time together this morning, anoint the word, anoint our ears. And Lord, I just pray that for every one of us here, me included, Lord, that we would just feel the individual specific word that you have for each one of us. That we would feel like you see us, you recognize us, you're meeting us. And you're showing yourself faithful to our hearts specifically, Lord. Individualize this message to each one of us today, Lord, and just touch our hearts and profoundly move us closer to that glory of seeing the beautiful face of Jesus just standing over us and guarding us and protecting us and pouring out his favor in our lives. Oh, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is going to be a little bit more of kind of a teaching kind of thing, not quite as much of a, a message or a little bit of that, but, um, but just, just so you kind of know on the front end. But I, I want to start off like in Philippians 1.23, Paul talks about, uh, he's, he's talking about that place like I'm, I'm wrestling, I'm in between uh, this reality of, of you know, wanting to go to Jesus because that's far better or staying here so that I can pour into and minister to the churches and all those kind of things. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm torn between the two because I really want to go to be with Jesus. But I know it would be good for me to stay here and to pour into you. And uh, that, you know, that place of just where he's standing, like I, I, I asked myself that question it, do I feel that same way, you know? And I, and I would have to say no. <laughs> 99 times out of 100, probably not, you know? He just had this revelation of what is to come and, and what he's doing every day to prepare him 
to, uh, to, for, you know, to receive of that, to be in that place of being able to see Jesus face to face. He's looked, you know, past the here and now. You know, he talks all about, like, I consider these light and momentary afflictions to be rubbish. You know, I count them nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. You know, there was just a place that he attained to that was just incredible. And, and, and we might not all get there. Uh, probably we won't, the majority of us. But there's a striving that he provokes us into to say, I, I may not get where he's, he's arrived, but I want to press towards that. I want to keep moving towards, you know, where he's at. And so Paul, Paul had that revelation that kind of fueled his choices in the moment and in the day. And, you know, we have difficult choices that we make, you know, in our life. Challenges arise, things provoke us, you know, we have struggles, finances and relationships and health and all those kind of things that just come up in our lives. Paul had seen something that fueled him to go through those times and make righteous, holy choices, you know, birthed out of the glory of the kingdom of God, you know, and he was able to step into those places. He, he still missed it. He still messed up, you know, but he had something to help fuel him. And so what I want to touch on a little bit today is looking into that end age of the, the, the days to come, of the, the end of this age and the, the coming into the millennium and the new earth, just as uh, another element of fuel for our lives. So that when we're looking at our lives today and we're looking at choices that we have to make, you know, someone offends us and we're sitting there going, all right, how do I respond to this? You know, we need those things that help us make the right decision in those moments. We need time spent in his presence. We need reading the word. We need fellowship with believers. We need worship. We need all these different things or tools that the Holy Spirit has given us. Another one of those tools is what we're going to kind of jump into a little bit today is just seeing where it's all going so that we have context for what we're doing and the choices that we're making today and the life that we're living today that will fuel us to, uh, to, to live in light of that glorious place that's coming. So we're going to take a stroll through the book of Revelation today. And that's not always, you know, the most exciting uh, thing a lot of times when we think about it it's like wow that's intense but you know I uh, Aaron had mentioned something last night that I totally didn't even have in my notes you know I'm studying the book of Revelation the book of Revelation is called the revelation of Jesus Christ it's the testimony of Jesus you know and she said something about that last night and I was like oh that's good I was like I probably shouldn't give her credit for that I should probably take that but but I decided to make the right choice and, and give her honor for that. It was like the, the book of Revelation is the testimony of Jesus. And so I hope that today as we kind of dig into a little bit of this, we, we kind of start to answer that question. What, why is it the testimony of Jesus? It's, it's, it's a bizarre start to that. You know, when you think about just the, the broad picture view of what Revelation is, the death, the destruction, the, all the, the things that are happening in the midst of that. So I hope that we'll get a little bit into the place of um, recognizing that. Actually, I'm going to read that little scripture. I don't have it, on the, have it on the notes, but just a little bit of further context for the Revelation 1, uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, 
things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. That uh, there's a blessing for just reading the book. There's an additional blessing for actually hearing what you're reading. And then another blessing for walking it out. So it's pretty awesome. Pretty good start to, uh, to a book here. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. And in some of this, I'm going to give it like a, a, a just brief timeline kind of of the tribulation period. Some of you, this will be familiar to you. Some of them, it, it won't. But I think, uh, and then I'm going to hit like three points out of, the, out of the tribulation period. Because I want us to have context for where we're going. Why is this the testimony of Jesus? And what do we need to grab and pull out of that? So I'm going to hit a couple of dark moments in the, in the spirit of, in the place of, you know, the tribulation period. But then we're going to get some perspective on it. All right. So uh, the tribulation period is a seven-year period. comes at the end of this age, and we, we don't know when that is, but there's a lot of signs. We were, we were talking about that, about how we think it might be a little closer than we, you know, we might think. Um, so it's a seven-year period. It's broken up into two segments, uh, the first three-and-a-half years and the second three-and-a-half years. And the, the first three-and-a-half years, the, the Antichrist is not, you know, he's, he, he's kind of, He's the Antichrist. He'll come into that full title at the end of the first three and a half years. But he's rising in power. He's very charismatic. He's, he's taken over as the global ruler over all the earth, over all the nations. He's instituting a one world religion. And uh, he's coming into power. And this first three and a half years is really uh, surprising if you haven't studied it. It's really more of a time of like global peace and prosperity. It, it's uh, the nations he's kind of stepping into this place of rule and, and he's, he's ushering all these you know packs of peace in between all the nations and so everybody's like wow this is great this is amazing you know one world religion let's all unify all this kind of thing so there's a lot to be excited about from the outside you know as you're looking at it but that first three and a half years is a, is a false peace because in the midst of that the, the church in Israel are being persecuted like crazy, being martyred, um, being attacked, because he recognizes these are the ones that are, you know, calling him out. They're the ones that are saying, this guy and who you think he is, you know, this one world religion, it's not what you think it is, you know. And so they're, they're kind of the, th- we are kind of the thorn in his, in his side in that moment. And so it's a great time of persecution for Christians in Israel, but a time of peace and prosperity, you know, in, in a large degree to the rest of the earth. So he's, he's walking into this place of power. And um, at the end of the uh, first three and a half years, he sits on the, the throne in the temple of God, declares himself God, and uh, the abomination of desolation, all that kind of stuff happens. And in that part, you know, you're starting to see the judgments of God come and uh, be poured out. There's 21 judgments, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. They all, um, you know, follow one after the other. They, each, each one, as it happens, it's, it's more intense. It's broader in scope. Uh, and as each one happens, they start getting closer and closer and closer together. 
So intensity rises, the time in between them decreases, and, and to the extent that you know, we kind of believe that the, the seven bowls, the last ones, which are the most intense, all happen within 30 days. So uh, really intense time on the earth. Getting through this pretty good so far. So here's here's a part. I just want to highlight a couple of a couple of things uh, in that time of tribulation. Again, just to give us some context. And these things are devastating and, and and terrible. But at the same time, there's something happening behind the scenes that we'll kind of dig into a little bit. Uh, Revelation six eight um, is the fourth seal. These are the first group of uh, ones that happen. And uh, I'll just read up here. I looked at behold an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. That's, that's intense. So a fourth of the earth is killed just in this one, this one uh, judgment of God. So, you know, well, I'll jump ahead. Let's go ahead and jump to Revelation 9.15. Um, so the four angels and this is the sixth trumpet this is in the second you know kind of grouping of things um what verse did I say? Nine fifteen. All right. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. So that's another third. So if we if we just looked at this in the context of like today's population, which is like eight billion, I think. I don't know on the earth somewhere around there. Just in the context of today's numbers, and obviously we, we don't know when this is. We don't know how many people are going to be on the earth. But just to give us some perspective. Uh, if we have 8 billion people, the first judgment was a quarter of the earth. That's 2 billion people in, in one judgment that are wiped out on the earth. And then that leaves 6 billion on the earth. Then you jump to the, uh, to the sixth seal, another one-third. That's another 2 billion. So just in two judgments there, that's 50% of the world's population. 4 billion people that have died just in those two judgments. And so it's really catastrophic. You know, when you think about that, and uh, it, it, it's, yeah, it's mind-boggling. You can't really conceive those kind of numbers and what that means uh, to the earth. And again, that's just two judgments that are happening. So it's, it's, it's a powerful time in a crazy time. Now, if we look at, uh, this, is, this is on the side of just God's judgments being released on the earth. If you look on the other side of the Antichrist, in his movement against, you know, the believers of the church and the people of, well, really, the believers of the church, um, uh, you've got, you know, another catastrophic reality of how many people are, are being killed for their faith in Jesus because they won't accept the mark of the beast. And that's in Revelation 7, uh, verses 9 and, and verses 14. Um at these things, verse 9, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. And jump down to verse 14. And I said to him, 
Oh, he asked, uh, the angel asked, who are, who are these and where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in this temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat for the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. These are the martyrs that have come out of the tribulation period, just out of the tribulation period. And it says the picture of them standing before the throne is a number that no one could count. I mean, how many is that? I, I don't know. It's a lot, you know. And so you're looking at this time, there's, I'm sure billions, you know. You're looking at this time and just recognizing all the stuff that's happening on the earth and how many people are actually there. And we'll, you know, we'll look ahead at some other scriptures. But this number is just catastrophic. You're like, how is anybody left? You know, and, and the Lord actually says in his word, he's like, if I didn't shorten this time, then no one would survive. So he, in his mercy, says, all right, this is enough. And um, Mike, Mike Bickle always used this term like he used, I'm probably butchering it, but he said something about, uh, you know, the Lord will use the least severe means to bring about the greatest uh, you know, fulfillment of, of the saints, the greatest harvest of souls. And, and so even though this sounds crazy extreme, he's like, this is the least amount I could do to fulfill, you know, my plan for the earth. And so it's, it's pretty intense as we look at those numbers. And, uh, and again, that's just a small part of it. And so as we, uh, let me make sure I'm not missing. Oh, yeah, I got one more thing. So the third thing I want to touch before I kind of move on is uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. And uh, the other thing that's happening in the midst of this is, let, let no one deceive you by any means for that day. He's talking about the day of the Lord when the, the Lord returns. Will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Talking about when the Antichrist sits on the you know, throne and all that. So, so he's saying right there, he's like, you know, uh, there's, there's a great falling away that will be a sign and a marker that when you see this, you know uh, that the Lord is coming back, you know. So when you, when you think about that, the great falling away, we're like, you know, what does that look like? Is that big? Is it small? Is it what? Well, he said it's big enough so that it's a marker and a sign for the entire globe to recognize. It's that many people that all over the globe, people are going, wow, this is crazy how many people are rejecting God and walking away. It's that big of a reality, you know, that it's a sign that he uses to say, when you see this, you know, this is coming. So that's a a massive reality. And so I hope that we'll kind of touch a little bit on it's going to happen, so we can't avoid it happening. It's in the scriptures, but can we avoid it happening in our lives and in our sphere of influence of people around us? We can. 
we can say, like, I'm going to commit that, that I'll not be in that number or my family or my sphere of influence, like everything that I can do to encourage them to stand in uh, faithfulness and stand steadfast in the Lord. Like, I'm going to work towards that, you know. So that's our hope as we stand on this today. Um, so as, as we, you know, look through that, uh, you might be asking yourself, where was this stuff you're talking about that like excites our hearts, you know, to stand in faithfulness today, you know, and I think you messed your notes up or something, but well, it's here. It's just all in perspective. So as we, as we look at this reality, uh, let me, let me make sure I'm not missing my scripture. Okay. Uh, as we look at this reality, I'm trying to work with Ava here, and I stretch her out, but I always send her my scriptures like, you know, midnight the night before I'm teaching, and she, she always gets them ready. Um, so as, as we look at this, let me back up into uh, the Old Testament, the book of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, however your Bible lists it. That book is about uh, the bride of Christ, which is us, and she starts off in this place of like, oh, I love the Lord. You know, he's great. He's amazing. He's beautiful. Da, 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 da. And then he, and then he comes to her and he invites her to come into the place of, uh, of, you know, challenge, of tribulations, of afflictions, that place of laying down her flesh. And she's like, oh, I love you from over here. Like, yeah, I'm not really ready to go into that, you know, but you do your thing, man. I'll cheer you from right here. And so the Lord leaves and he comes back and this, the whole book is this back and forth. The Lord just keeps coming back. And each time she, she, she's moving a little bit closer towards that place of just totally loving the King of glory, totally stepping into whatever he has for her, you know. And, and so the Lord is so patient, and he's so kind, he's so merciful, and throughout the whole thing, he's like, I won't give up, like I'll keep coming back over and over and over again until you get this, you know. And so at the end of the book, you know, it, 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 it says, you know, here, who is this coming up from the wilderness, uh, leaning on her beloved? And it is the bride of Christ that at the end of this whole process, you know, the Lord fighting for her heart, fighting for her affection, fighting for her love, and, and the revelation of knowing who he truly is and how much he loves her. Uh, she comes up from the wilderness. She's come out of this place of saying, okay, I'll go with you into the place of affliction, the place of challenge. She's coming up out of that place with him, and she's leaning on him. Just that whole picture of, uh, um, you know, John the Apostle. He, he, you know, he calls himself the one that Jesus loved. I mean, that's, that's bold right there. I love it. I love it. And he's the one that leaned on her, on, you know, the Lord's bosom. I think you were talking about that last week. But, um, so that, that's where she's at at the end of this book. She's leaning on her beloved because she's went into the place of affliction with him. And she's recognized that I can trust him. You know, he's not ever going to leave me. Those songs that we were singing this morning about, you know, I know that you're faithful. Well, how do you know that he's faithful? You don't know he's faithful if you haven't walked into that place and seen him, you know, go in with you and pull you out. You know, that's how we know he's faithful when, he, when we've allowed him, you know, to lead us in and carry us and bring us out the other side, you know. So that's the book of the Song of Solomon in a, in a nutshell. To me, 
my, my picture of the book of Revelation, it is the New Testament book of the Song of Solomon, which sounds absurd. Uh, but that's the way I see it. Because the reality is the book of Revelation is not... It's easy to make it a, the book of judgments, the book of catastrophic death and destruction on the earth and all the things that happened, you know. And it's, and it's interesting, you know, that the Lord calls it the testimony of Jesus. And, and he goes into very specific detail about the devastation, you know. He, he doesn't hold anything back. He doesn't um, sugarcoat it or gloss over it. Like, he's very specific in laying out... Um, all the things that happen in that this is from my hand, you know. This isn't, you know, the devil is doing uh, stuff and I give him, you know, a certain measure of rope to do things like he, the devil is. But at the same time, the Lord's saying, this is from my hand. And, and so when we look at that, it's easy to kind of get caught up in that aspect of it. But the reality is that that's not the real hero of the story. That the Lord's wrath is never motivated out of bitterness or anger or resentment or offense. It's always motivated out of love. So his wrath that comes forth poured out on the earth is not his wrath against those who have rejected him. It's his wrath against those who have hurt his bride. It's his wrath against those who have persecuted the church. And there's, I didn't write this down. I didn't even think of this before. But uh, there's a lot of scriptures he talks about, you know, like the, the harlot Babylon talking about how, you know, she, she, you know, ravished my bride and she, you know, uh, assaulted her and, and all these. So he highlights those kind of things in a lot of different scriptures. Should have wrote that down for next time. Um, talks about how, you know, this is why you're getting what you're getting, because you've hurt my bride. And so the real hero of the story and the real emphasis of the book of Revelation is not his, his wrath against the church or against the, the enemy. It's his, his willingness to say, this is how far I'm willing to go to save my bride. You know, this is how serious I am about my wife that when you hurt her, there's a scripture that goes something like, you know, uh, be, be careful of a bridegroom uh, because if you, if you hurt his bride, you're not going to like his response, you know, something like that. So, and that's the reality of Jesus in this. He's like, you know, be careful of my bride, which is us, you know. And so he wants us to know, like, this is the links that I'm willing to go to protect my chosen and my beloved, the one who called me by name and accepted me as her bridegroom and her beloved. These are the links that I'm willing to go to wipe out all sin for all eternity and remove the enemy from the earth so that I can protect my bride and bring her into fullness of her glory, the fullness of her destiny and her calling, and bring her into an eternal reality of life face-to-face -face with the living God forever and ever and ever. And so that's the picture of really what uh, the book of Revelation is. And so as we read that, we want to dig into that and understand that this is the context. When you look at the judgments on the earth, when you look at all the death and the devastation, it's the context that God's saying, this has been wrong. This, this will never change. Like the, the, the ones that are reprobate, that have taken the mark of the beast, all those kinds of things, they're not going to change 
And for the sake of my bride, I will do whatever needs to be done to remove them out of the picture so that my bride can walk in the fullness with the glorious, in the, into the glorious kingdom of God. The testimony of Jesus, the way it starts out, that's the testimony of Jesus. This testimony of Jesus is saying, this is all about you. This is all about my son, my daughter, my beloved, my bride. This is all about you and how much I care about you, how much I'm willing to fight for your heart, how much I'm willing to fight for your destiny, to fight for your calling, to fight for your salvation and your ability to overcome in the, in the midst of difficulties. Like This is the testimony of Jesus. It, you know, We don't have to shy away from it. Because this is the extent that he's willing to fight for us, you know. And most of us have never felt that, to be honest. Most of us don't have any, anyone in my life. I can attest that I, I don't live that reality. <laughs> Shouldn't have went there. <laughs> God's like, God's like uh, got you on that one. I don't live that reality with my, with my wife. I don't live that reality with, you know, my, my daughter, you know. Uh, uh, I'm straining towards that. But this, that's, he does live that reality. He does live it every single day and every single moment. He's like, I'm living that reality of fighting for you and everything that uh, I created you to walk in. I, that's, that's who he is. That's the testimony of Jesus. Oh, that was good. Whew. My wife was supposed to be working in the uh, children's room, so it's, uh, so somehow she got to be in here to hear that. I'm, uh, hopefully she don't remind me of that. <laughs> uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, I got a little jumbled there. Let me make sure where I'm at. So, uh, I wrote a bunch of little cliff notes on the side here, so I'm trying to make sure where I had them coming in at. I'm um, not as, as fluent up here as Mr. Sam Fine, who so, uh, so awesomely flows in the spirit. Uh, well, I'll, I'll jump into this point. So beyond that facet of God's love being the facet of this, the, you know, the, the hero of the story, there's another uh, reality that's flowing along with um, the great falling away, and that is the great harvest of souls. So this time, as we you know, remember that scripture we shared about those who stood before the throne of God, and it says the number was the ones that are the martyrs coming out of just the tribulation period, a number that no one can number. These, uh, these ones have either been saved in, the, in you know, the tribulation period or saints that were already saved that stood steadfast in their faith in the midst of the most violent time on earth, in, in the midst of all that death, four billion people, you know, just in today's terms, that have, that have been wiped out, all the persecution. Now, remember, uh, you know, they're taking the mark of the beast. Uh, you know, people on earth, he's trying to do it. Christians aren't doing that. And so they don't have the ability to buy or sell goods. 
You know, and so you're looking at a time on the earth where all of this, you know, destruction coming, because even the destruction that uh, is coming from the Lord against the enemies of God, it still affects the believers. I mean, he's, he's wiping out like, you know, a third of the trees on the earth, a third of the waters a th- turned to blood, a third of the seas, you know, become poison. All these different things are happening. So all of that stuff is affecting the believers as well on the earth. Um, it's, it's not just the death and things like that. So all these kind of things are happening. They can't buy and sell goods. They can't go to the grocery store and get food. They can't buy clothes or supplies or different things like this. All this persecution is happening in the midst of the earth. And yet, in all of that, these ones are, are being martyred by the millions and millions and tens of millions. They're standing fast in their faith and the greatest harvest of souls happens that has ever happened on the earth. I mean, like times a billion. It's, it's, this reality, it, it's like the book of Acts where they were all in unity. They were all in one accord. Uh, people were getting healed, saved, delivered. Uh, miracles were happening, different things like that. This is the book of Acts, or the church of Acts, um, times 10 billion. I mean, it's, it's all over the earth. I mean, that was, you know, a small contingent of people in, in Jerusalem. This is all over the globe. People are standing steadfast in the midst of saying, hey, you take the mark, or I, or I cut your head off right here, right now. And they're like, bring it, you know? I mean, this, this reality is, I mean, we can't conceive, we can read about it and talk about it. You can't conceive what that reality is of standing in the moment of knowing. Like, this isn't a movie. This isn't, you know, a, an analogy. This is real right here, right now. I'm going to meet Jesus if I don't deny him, you know? And people chose to say, bring it, you know? I'm not rejecting this guy. And so all over the earth, there is going to be the supernatural is going to be so prevalent and so common, angelic activity on the earth, signs and wonders. You think you don't have any food, you know, you can't buy any food. The, 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 the Lord like magnifying food, uh, multiplying food. I mean, that's happening all over the globe for believers, you know. All over the globe, people are having this, you know, the baskets full of fish and bread. I mean, daily. I mean, this, this goes on for seven years. So it's, it's not a, like a one-time thing. It's, it's every day the Lord is blessing, multiplying food, bringing different things, healing people, protecting believers. The spirit of prophecy on the earth during that time, the spirit of the anointing of signs and wonders is going to be unimaginable how much things are going to be happening in that time. And it'll be the church, and there's two witnesses that the Lord will put on the, church, put on the earth for the last three and a half years. He said, these, these two, and you know, we think they're Moses and Elijah. Uh, they're the only two guys on earth that, that never died officially. They were just caught up into heaven. So whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's two witnesses standing on the earth, standing uh, over in the... Middle East, um, and they'll be testifying for three and a half years, nonstop, you know, night and day, saying this guy is a liar. He's the he's the antichrist. This one world religion, don't do it. And they can't be killed. They can't. 
He says, if anyone tries to kill them, fire comes out of their mouth and consumes them and, 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 and kills them. That's, I mean, that's intense, you know. But these ones are just standing on the earth prophesying. They have the ability to call down signs and wonders, call down fire from heaven, stop the rains as much as they want, anytime they want. And so you've got this reality happening, just the spirit of prophecy. And they're prophesying every time, hey, that was bad. Here's what's coming. You know, they're letting the earth know before the judgment falls, this is what's coming next. You better repent and turn your life to Christ now. And so the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of signs and wonders is going to be absolutely unthinkable on the earth during this time. And so we, you know, we can look at that, how we started out the scripture of, you know, Paul saying, you know, to, to, to go and be with Christ or to stay here on the earth. Ooh, it's a, it's a tough one. You know, think about the, the decision of to be here now in this day and this time, or to step into the time of the tribulation period. Like which one do you want? That's a tough call because you, you recognize, I mean, you might not last 10 minutes, you know, you might get woo wiped out. Here's your white robe. Thanks for coming. Uh, but, but you may live that whole seven years, you know. Um, but the, the reality is, like, the, all the things that are happening around you, I mean, it, it, it'd be hard to have. And you think about people that come back from war, PTSD, and all those kind of things, what they've seen. But in that time, you're going to get to be a part of something that is so catastrophically unthinkable of, of the Spirit of God being manifested on the earth globally, everywhere at the same time for seven straight years. I mean, how un unbelievable would it be to be in that time? Yeah, it would be tough. But the grace of God that would be resting on, uh, on, on the people in that age, on the believers, it's just, it's, it's incredible. They have the ability. You think of Stephen, uh, one of the uh, apostles, the story about, uh, he was preaching the gospel. They end up, you know, crucifying him, throwing stones at him. And the, the picture is him. He comes, and they're about to stone him to death, and he's going to die. He, he kneels down on the ground, and uh, he's like, Father, forgive them. And they said his face was as the face of an angel as the people are looking at him. Like, what is up with this demented, crazy dude? Like, shouldn't he be, like, running or, like, doing some Matrix stuff, you know, trying to dodge the rocks? But he just stood there. His face was as the face of an angel and said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. That's, that's crazy to think of. The Stevens on the earth during the tribulation will be billions. Billions of people doing that. Like standing in the face of like, I'm going to see Jesus now. Like now. And, and they're... Their radiance will be as, you know, the Son of Man. They'll, they'll be in this perfect place of peace and rest and excitement in the midst of that. So just as we contemplate these times and stuff, I want these things to excite us. I want these things to fuel our hearts as we recognize, like, yes, this is a devastating time on the earth, the most violent time on the earth times a billion. But in the midst of that, God is doing stuff that's so unimaginable the spirit of god i mean to get to touch that and taste that like i'm i'm torn you know i, I want to be there and and i know that it'll be challenging but we'll see how it plays out but the um are right, we going to move on to the millennium in just a second but i'm going to tie up 
a couple of quick things. We'll have some fun facts here in just a minute. I think it'll be, if you aren't super familiar with that age, it's, we've got some fun stuff that'll excite your heart, I think. Um, the testimony of Jesus, I, I, I want us to recognize, like I said before, like how do you know he's faithful if you don't let him take you into that place where he has to be faithful? You know, uh, I think of the place of, you know, finances. It's, it's you know, we try and manage our life to, uh, to not be stretched. To, I, I want to manage my finances in my life to the point where I, I, I don't have, you know, difficult choices to make, you know. And, and that's okay. That's good. Uh, I, I do that every day. But, but the reality is there's, there has to be those times and moments where we do things we say, I, I want to give, like this is, Giving Sunday, man, come on. I want to give sometimes so much that I'm like, there is no way I can pay the bills next week, you know, if I do this. Like, this is absolutely stupid. So it's probably right. I don't know. But there has to be those moments where we say, I want to position myself in a place. And I don't mean we do this just for the sake of like, oh, look at me, you know, kind of things. I want to, it has to be fueled out of the place of love and out of the direction of the Holy Spirit. But, but when you feel that move, like I want to position myself in a place where I actually get to feel God come through for me, you know. I want to make a step that actually get to, and, and don't just hold it to finances. I mean, in relationships, like I want to, you, you might have a family member that's rejected you, that's, I mean, cursed you, done everything that they could possibly think of to offend you in every way, like a, a master PhD at it. And, and you're like, I want to position myself in a place where I love them so unconditionally that they are they are so uncomfortable they, they just can't stand to stand there, you know. I want to position myself in a place where he gets to come through for me so that I have the testimony of Jesus. I want to, I want to step into that place. I want to give. I want to pour out. I want to uh, make choices that cause me to have to have God come through for me because I want testimony. When I go into the next big challenge, when I go into the next big phase of my life or, you know, God forbid, cancer or bankruptcy or whatever it is, you know, divorce, whatever it is, you know, I, I want to have testimony to stand on that says, God, you came through right here. Let me, let me break out my journal. God, you came through right here. God, you brought me through this. God, you did this. Like, I've got testimony. I don't have to be caught up in the, the doubt and the fear and the unbelief because I've seen you do it. I've allowed you to do it. And, and you know, especially all of us, but especially as men, we've got a, a tendency to put our shoulder to the wheel and let's get it done, you know. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to make it happen. I'll make it work. It may not be pretty, but I'm going to get it done, you know. And all of us do that you know, uh, to, to a good degree. But the reality is, like, can we just lay down the wheel, you know, kick the wheel over and quit, you know, putting our shoulder against the wheel and just allow God to show up and do something, you know? Allow God to show up and just meet us and move on our behalf so that we can uh, allow His love to be poured out and, and allow our testimony to be there so that we can carry that into the you know, future trials and tribulations. That's what He's looking for, you know. And 
you know, we don't, we don't get a choice where we're born. We don't get a choice where we grow up and we're raised. You know, you look at like nations like China or, you know, different places where, you know, their trial may be waking up in the morning and saying, man, I wonder if this is the day that uh, the government finds out about our house church. And this is the day that my whole family is martyred and, uh, and we see Jesus, you know. That's their trial, a lot of them, you know. We don't have that here. Our trials may be, you know, I went to Starbucks, I wrote my name wrong on my pumpkin spice latte, you know, I just, it's just, it's a pet peeve for me, I can, you know, I mean, your, your deal may be, you know, you're, you're, you don't ever know when your car's going to crank because your battery, or it could be your alternator, it could be your voltage regulator, I'm not sure what it is, I don't want to replace all of them, I don't have the money, you know, it doesn't matter what your trial is, you know, your trial may not be, you know, today may not be the day I get martyred, you know, with my wife and my kids, but your trial is your trial, and, and it, it, it may not be big, but it's your trial, and it's important to you. And so we have to recognize that there's these small battles that we have to win with the Lord. You know, we, we can't just continue to put our shoulder to the wheel and not invite him in in these small places to let him show himself faithful and let him show himself uh, strong on our behalf. Let him be Father God. Let him be Daddy. He wants to be Daddy a lot more than we let him be Daddy, you know? The, the place where he says, you know, I'm going to do this for you, not because you asked me. I, I'm just going to do it just because I went to Walmart and I saw this, you know, thing and whatever, and I want to buy it for you, you know. And so we need to let him be daddy, because if we don't do that, if we don't let him win those small battles for us, if we don't offer those up to invite him in and say, look, I, to be honest, I could probably handle this, you know, it, it, it would be it take a little time, it take a little effort. I don't want to. I probably could win this. But God, I'm just going to let you be dad today. I want to invite you into this and let you win this one for me. If we don't do that, when the big things come, we don't have a history of knowing what it feels like to invite him in. We don't have a history of knowing the process of recognizing a battle, recognizing where we're at, and inviting him in and letting him win. Because when we're talking, we're looking at this stuff, and we're thinking about the great falling away. It's, it's going to happen, you know? It's in the Word. It's going to happen. When we're looking at that, like, why? Why does this happen? What caused that many people on a global scale to walk away from the Lord to the extent that it's a sign over the whole earth? Why? And I don't really know the answers to that. I, I feel like there's a couple of things that probably are feeding into that. One is the, all the death and the destruction that's happening uh, you know, from the Antichrist, persecuting the church. People are like, you know, God, why are you not protecting us? You know, I thought you were good, you know. Why are you not showing up? I thought you were faithful, you know? They didn't have those times when they let the Lord win the little battles for them so that when the big battle came, they were totally without uh, experience, totally without testimony, the testimony of Jesus to, to handle that time and that moment in history. The other side of that is uh, the persecution of uh the Lord against the enemies of God. 
And, and, and people are looking at this and saying, I thought you were good. This, this, isn't, this is too much. You cross the line. You know, th- there's no need that all of that had to happen. That's, that's way beyond the pale. And God's saying, it's, it's not. It's the minimal amount that I could have done. And so they're like, you know, rejecting him. So there's the spirit of fence that happened on both sides. You're not protecting us, and you're, you're way over the, over the line, you know. You're not good. You're not loving. You're not kind. So there's those two things happening, you know, in people's hearts in that day. And so we have to recognize and look at and see these things. You know, we don't, we don't look at this stuff all the time, but it's, it's good from season to season to reflect on this because we want to recognize the whys. Like, so many people have stands on different issues, you know, political issues, worldly issues, family issues, different things like that, and say, ah, this is what I believe. But we don't ask the, okay, well, then what happens? All right, this is what you believe, but what happens if we do that? Here's A, B, C, D, and, you know, and so a lot of times we don't do that. And so when we're thinking about this, it's like, why did this happen? Let's, let's answer, why did it happen? And let's see, how can I guard my heart? And how can I walk with the, the ministry of the gospel in my sphere of influence to, uh, to help those that are all around me? All right, so we've got we to gotta move on. Belabored that point. i got to get to the millennium. All right. I'll breeze through a couple of these things here. Miss Ava, uh, which ones did I highlight? Okay, move on to the millennium. Um, at the end of the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist and the false prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. Um, they're gone. Satan will be uh, bound up in uh, the bottomless pit for a thousand years. He can't influence the earth. He's not free, all that kind of stuff. Bound up for a thousand years. Jesus comes to the earth. He, all the believers, you know, living and dead, all resurrected bodies living on the earth. Jesus is living on the earth, ruling and reigning over all the nations with righteousness and judgment. I got a scripture in there about, you know, his righteousness, I think. Um, Psalm 72, 11. Y'all can just look at that as I'm talking. But uh, Jesus will be reigning on the earth, ruling all the nations, will be in all different kinds of positions, kings over nations and rulers over you know, states and cities and regions and all that kind of things will be judges. And so we're not sitting on a cloud playing a harp, you know, uh, you know, staring at the streets of gold, you know, for the next gajillion years. Um, it's, it's like we're going to have assignments and stuff the same that we do today. You know, we're going to have jobs and positions. And, but the, the difference is they, they won't be boring. They won't be tedious and trying and you know, terrible, you know, um, I don't think, you know, we'll have like plumbers, I don't know, but, uh, but we're all going to have assignments, and, and you know, as, uh, but the difference is it'll be going back to, we'll be restoring the, the, the whole earth is completely wiped out, like it says that the last bowl, an earthquake happens, every mountain falls down, there is no mountain left on the entire earth, uh, it, I mean, intense. We're rebuilding the entire earth. And, and actually, a little tidbit, just another fun fact. Um, somewhat. Uh, the, the war after the Battle of Armageddon uh, at the end of the tribulation period, it says, you know, that all the enemies of God wiped out. It says the people, uh, you know, gather together all the, the weapons 
uh, from the war, which are like bows and axes and things. There is no guns and, uh, you know, F-52s or whatever. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy what we've went back to at that point. It shows you a little bit of the, the devastation at that time. They gather all the weapons and they use them for fuel for seven years. I mean, that's, that's the numbers that we're, we're talking about that were gathered against the Lord and stuff. So, interesting fact. But, um, so, we'll all have assignments. We'll all be walking into things. We'll, but we'll be going back to a Garden of Eden-type reality where um, the earth is working against us. It's, like, it's not like planting a garden and stuff. It's hard and you're tilling the soil and you're digging up roots. It's like that, that Adam and Eve reality where everything's like... The, the ground is alive. The trees talk to you. The rocks cry out and worship to the Lord. It's like they're working in unity with us. It's, I mean, we, we can't picture it. It's just too bizarre. But that's the reality. So there won't be any jealousy or greed or envy of different positions. You know, many of us will be in the, in the, uh, the New Jerusalem uh, Others will be spread all over the the planet, but we'll go in and out. We'll hear Jesus himself in the flesh teaching us the scriptures. You know, I mean, how cool is that? There's going to be things happening that are just incredible. Um, So we'll rule all the nations. We'll have assignments. Um, That Some of you that have had prophetic words and they didn't kind of seem to fully pan out, you know, uh, and you're like, you totally, I mean, really miss that one. I mean, not just a little bit, like you totally miss that prophetic word. In the, the millennium new earth kind of age, some of us will have the greatest fulfillment of prophetic words that we've ever had. Like that will be the time when this thing happens and we step into a position in the new Jerusalem and we're like, oh, that word that dude spoke over to me that time, that really weird guy gave me that prophetic word. Like, this is it. That's what he was talking about. You know, it's just going to be such an amazing time of just wonder and fascination and excitement. And um, So uh, in, in that time, uh, the millennium starts. The people that are left on the earth are all the believers. They'll all be resurrected living and dead, in their eternal glorified bodies, both physical and, we're physical, but we're supernatural, just like Jesus was. And, uh, and then you have all the ones that took the mark of the beast, they'll all be destroyed. Uh, and then the other group that you have is called the resistors. They're the ones who aren't saved, but they didn't take the mark of the beast, just because they're like the anti-government types or whatever. And uh, who, who knows how many of those there are. But those ones will go on into the millennium period. And they'll live in their physical bodies on the earth uh, as we live in our, in our redeemed, glorified bodies with Jesus on the earth, in the flesh, ruling the nations in perfect righteousness. Um, and so removing any kind of evil government. And that's, that's in Isaiah 65.20. Uh, or, well, Isaiah 65.20 talks about these ones, and they'll live hundreds of years. It says, nor an old man, uh, no infant from there will live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days, for the child shall die 100 years old. But the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be a curse. So he's saying if you, if you died 100 years old, like, you're cursed. I mean, like, 
they're living for hundreds and hundreds of years because the, the, the earth is being restored, re, being redeemed. Sin is being wiped out on the planet. And so it's just going to be a crazy time. So those, those people that are living on the earth, they're living underneath the rule of Jesus in the flesh. Um, they're living in the midst of all of the believers in their glorified heavenly bodies with the supernatural happening all over the place around them in that moment for a thousand years. And so they're multiplying, they're having babies, the, the numbers are swelling. You can imagine a thousand year period where people live to be hundreds and hundreds of years old having babies, like how, how quick the population would grow in that kind of state, place. But they're living, in the, they're living in the midst of all this. Thank you, sir. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to, I'm going to stop there and make sure. Okay. So they're living in the midst of all of that stuff. And we're having interaction with those. We're preaching the gospel to them. We're praying for them. We're leading them into salvation. You know, many, many, many will come to faith in Christ. Many won't, you know. Um, we don't know exactly what that looks like, but it's, it's, there's a lot that, that either don't or they walk away from the Lord at the end. But, but I, but I want to give you a picture of that real quick. And we can, um, there'll be billions of people on the earth, including us and the, and the resistors. Uh, but we'll be reacting you know, with them, engaging with them you know, for eternity and with no, no jealousy, no fear, no anxiety, all those kind of things. And uh, just imagine what that looks like, you know. I mean, billions of people on, on the earth, billions in their glorified bodies, no sin whatsoever in us, and getting to react with people. Now, if you're an um, introvert, that might sound like torture to you, but I assure you that there will be a work done in your spirit. You will be wild, raging ex extroverts uh, at that point because there will be nothing that hinders love in that time. There's a, uh, I want to give you a little picture of the reality of forever. And I'm going to use money. Um, there's a movie, Brewster's Millions, with Eddie Murphy. He, like, inherits this whole bunch of money. But in order to get the inheritance, he has to spend, like, I don't know, $30 million in a month, or something like that, to inherit this larger sum of money. Um, so it, it's the whole, the whole movie is just about like, how, and he's, he's not supposed to own anything at the end of the, the month, you know? And so the whole thing is like, how do you spend this much money? So if we can put up that one, oh, it's up there. Uh, I just want to give you a little picture of this. Like it, if your salary per year was a hundred grand, your monthly income would be $8,000. So, which is, I miss a lot of money. Like you could, you could buy groceries and actually fill up your gas tank with that, you know, right now. So that's, that's a good deal. If your salary was $1 million per year, I want you to think in the context of like, if you had this money, 8000 a month, you spend it every month, all right? If your salary was uh, $1 million a year, that would be $80,000 a month. Can you imagine spending $80,000 a month every month, month after month after month? That's, that's, I could do it, but it'd be, it'd be challenging. If your salary was $1 billion per year, that's $80 million a month that you have to spend. I don't think that's possible. I really don't. If your, bill, your salary was $1 trillion per year, 
Imagine spending $80 billion a month, every month, year after year after year. That, you can't conceive that. That's absurd, you know, a reality. That, that $1 trillion, $80 billion a month kind of thing, that's a flash in the pan compared to eternity. A flash, a wink of your eye compared to eternity. And that's how long we'll be in the presence of Jesus and in the presence with uh, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Getting, yeah, there'll be billions and billions and billions of redeemed saints you know, for eternity. And you'll get to meet probably every one of them. I don't know. And hear their story. And share yours. And it'll be super awesome. Because you've got a lot of time, you know. It's like, it's a long story. You're like, bro. <laughs> for real. <laughs> we got time. So it's just going to be super cool. Um, all right, so let's look at the New Jerusalem. This was so amazing. Revelation 21, 16 to 17, the New Jerusalem will descend from heaven and rest on the earth. It'll be the temple of Jesus during the millennium. And when God comes to the earth, which is at the end of the millennium, after that's over, the Father God will come to the earth and live on the earth forever. Uh, that'll be his, you know, his place too. Um, so the, the, the Trinity will live in the New Jerusalem that comes on the earth. Uh, just the magnitude of this is unbelievable. I don't know if you ever looked at this, but it's absolutely crazy. Can we show the picture of the current uh, Jerusalem? Let's see if I can get up here. The size of the New Jerusalem that'll come. All right, here's a little map. Awesome. Here's, here's Israel right now. You can't even see Jerusalem. It's too small to even put on the map. But that's, that's uh, the, the nation of Israel. That, a little, little spot right there. And you know, that they've always talked about, you know, Israel's always fighting for the, their boundaries of their land. Always. People are trying to take, you know, their land and stuff. And God's like, there's coming a day you're going to get your boundaries back. I want to show you what the new Jerusalem looks like. I want to show you what getting your boundaries back looks like. We'll put up this picture. So this is the context of the New Jerusalem. Israel is right under there somewhere. That is the entire Middle East. That's <laughs> that's it covers nearly the entire Middle East. He's like, that's what getting your boundaries uh, stretch looks like with the Lord. This is what it looks like sitting on the earth. Now, you might be looking at it and saying that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It would throw, the, the earth would fall. You know, it's just like completely collapse under the weight. The New Jerusalem is 15, you can say 1,400 or 1,500. I'm just saying 1,500. 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles deep and 1,500 miles tall. It's, a, it's a, probably a cube. Could be a pyramid, but probably a cube. 1,500 miles. I want to give you some context of what that looks like. I mean, you see what it looks like as far as sitting on the earth. But the, the tallest building in the world is this one I can't pronounce, but it's like 160 stories tall. The New Jerusalem would be 600,000 stories tall. The, 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 the highest mountain is, uh, uh, what's it called, Mount Everest, 
five and a half miles to the top of that compared to 1,500 miles. Um, the, the walls of the city are 216 feet thick. That's how incredible it is. And uh, this, one, this is the one that blows your mind a little bit. The, the, the range that is commonly considered uh, the place where our atmosphere turns into outer space is 62 miles. The New Jerusalem is like 1,400 miles past that. Like all the way into outer space. Like I think it's, it's something like a third of the way to the, to the moon or something like that. And you're like, how is that even possible? God created the earth. I guess he, uh, yeah, I guess he worked out the algebra. I don't know, you know. But, but that's how big this is. And, and you think, you know, when you look at the, the massive reality, of it, and it's, you know, it's all clear gold and, and gems and giant pearls and all this kind of stuff, you know, that's made out of. And you look at the, the, the massive implications of how big that is. Um, you think it's like two million square miles uh, of, you know, space. But it's 600,000 stories tall so every story is two million square miles two million two million two million it's unthinkable to what this looks like and all of that will be full with believers in their redeemed glorified bodies in the city of the living god face to face with jesus the heavenly father and the holy spirit and it says there won't be a sun or a moon because jesus will be their light he illuminates all those two million miles stacked 600,000 times. It's just fascinating to think about that. And so as we, you know, we look at stuff like this, we've got to recognize like the choices I'm making today determine where I stand in that day. Like I, I, I wouldn't mind. I, I'm not a big fan of uh, Palestinian food, Jewish food, really not. I like some lamb, but all that other stuff, you can kind of have it. But I think probably in the new earth and the, the, the millennium, the, the food's probably better. And so I wouldn't mind being in the new Jerusalem. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that being my assignment. But uh, the things that we do in this day and in this time determine you know, where we're serving in the age to come. So that's, it's fascinating to look at that as fuel uh, for the choices that we're making in this time. Um, So at the end of, uh, at the end of, that's my last picture in it, yeah. At the end of uh, the millennium, uh, the devil's release from the bottomless pit for a short period. He goes around the earth, raising up those that would battle against the kingdom of God, which is it's inconceivable with me. People that have been living on the earth with the embodied Jesus ruling perfect leadership all over the earth. I mean, all the kings of all the nations, the cities, all redeemed in their glorified body, living without sin, ruling the nations. Perfect justice, you know. And uh, all the judges will be us, you know. All the, you know, authorities will be us. Perfect without sin. You're ruling the nations. All the supernatural that's happening all over the earth in the midst of, I mean, like you're, you're a person in your flesh and like here's a guy in his redeemed body like telling me, you know, about the scriptures and stuff. And uh, after all of that, a thousand years, 
devil gets released and all of a sudden he raises an army up that they say is as numerous as the sand on the seashore to come and battle against God. I don't know how that's possible, but it's going to happen. And, and so they'll come and battle against God, but this time it won't be a war. The God just says, poof, fire from heaven. They're all wiped out. The devil is thrown into the lake of fire forever and it's, it's over. The game, game is over at that point. No more sin, no more devil. No more crying, no more tears. And um, as, you, as you look at that kind of stuff, you know, and you think about the testimony of Jesus, how is it possible, you know, that these go into that reality? And I, I think that that amongst some other things I won't get into for sake of time, but um, some other things in that as, as the primary reality or expression of it uh, is like God, God is saying like, I want to use the least severe means to bring about the greatest harvest of souls on the earth. And as he looks at people and, and people, you know, are going through maybe the tribulation period and they're like, you know, uh, they haven't received the Lord. They get condemned at the, the great white throne judgment. You know, this wouldn't actually happen, but what the, they would, be thinking in their heads like hey it's, it's not fair like look what I had to deal with you know look look at all the things like if, if it wasn't this bad I, I would have definitely accepted you you know I would have definitely turned my heart well you know I had you know this condition or I had I was raised with this family you know it's it's not right that you judge me the same as this you know girl over here that had everything going for you know and so there's all those excuses that we'll have in our hearts and stuff. And so it's like the Lord just over and over and over again. And I and believe that's a big part of the millennium. He's, he's saying, look, I'm going to cultivate a time in history where the devil is bound up. He can't influence you. And you, you have perfect righteous leadership all over the earth in every sphere of society. You know, government, uh, media, you know, social, you know, the arts, everything perfect sinless leadership for a thousand years and yet still you chose to turn against me he's going to say you know my judgment is right and my judgment is fair and my judgment is the least severe you know to to bring about the greatest harvest he's going to say you're without excuse you know in the the, the picture the of the um the rich man and the beggar lazarus where they, they both die, you know, go stand before the Lord, the, the beggar goes to heaven, the, the rich man uh, goes to hell, and, and, the, and he's like, hey, you know, send, send Lazarus down here, just dip his finger in the water and just stick it on my tongue. That'll be enough, you know. And he's like, ah, you know, you made your choice, you know. You had everything when you're on earth, but now, you know, he has everything. And he's like, well... If you can't do that, at least go to my brothers and my family and tell them, send Lazarus, one who's uh, already gone to heaven, send Lazarus to them to tell him. And he's like, look, he says, their heart is what their heart is. And even if they saw an angel from heaven that came and spoke to them and said, this is the truth, they still wouldn't turn. You know, and so the Lord, the, the Lord goes to extreme measures to say, look, I want to... I'm going to provide certain circumstances and situations where you're in the best possible situation because I want you to know that this is the measure of my love and affection for you that I'll give you the best you know, circumstances and, and it'll show you that my love 
is pure and my judgment is true. And there's uh, scriptures in there where it talks about the, uh, the, the torment, the fire, the smoke from the pit of hell will rise forever and forever. And so you, you could see that. The way I read it, you could see that from the New Jerusalem. You could see the smoke rising. And I'm like, how do you see that? Knowing what's happening in there and not be offended in your heart and not be grieved. And it's because the Lord has done so much to say, my righteous judgment is good. My judgment is good. And it's true. I never went over the line. I never crossed over. I never did anything out of spite. But I did everything out of mercy in the greatest measure of trying to bring forth your heart into the fullness of Christ. And so, so as we you know, think about that reality of the great falling away, there's so many of them that, that walk away because of the spirit of offense. And so just to tie in this hall up and stuff, I want us to understand that and reflect on that and, and, and hold that in light of all the other things, the, the glory, the wonder, the majesty, the supernatural that is happening throughout this whole phase of, of the earth. And, and just say, God, how can I get into a place? How can I let you start winning small battles for me? How can I let you invite you in to this so that I can begin to build testimony, the testimony of Jesus in my life that will carry me through whatever times come. Will we touch some of us, the, the tribulation? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I guarantee you this, if you don't touch it, you will touch some other tribulation in your life. You know, we can't overlook it. We can't, you know, just gloss over it and kind of, you know, press it down. I think about uh, the Kaisers going to Uganda and they're talking about the famine there and stuff. Like, how do you, how do you see that and not have just this, mm, this little, you know, nick in your heart is just like, God, how could you allow that, you know? There, there has, you have to have that kind of stuff. But God's saying, I want to bring you into the place where you recognize that my judgment is perfect. Perfect in every scenario. I never miss it. And so as we look at that kind of thing, um, I just want to invite us into that place of just, um, I, don't, I don't know if y'all want to worship or whatever, somebody. Um, how do we invite you into our lives? And I'll tell you a super quick story, uh, personal story. Uh, and, I've, and I've shared it before, but some of you may not have heard it. But like I went to IHOP, I, you know, quit my job, you know, sold my house, all this kind of stuff, moved there. Was there for just several months. Didn't plan on staying there very long. Ended up staying there longer than I thought. Ran out of money. Uh, my The place I was renting, my gas got turned off for a little while. So I had cold showers, all this kind of stuff. Then a little while later, my electric got turned off. And it, I was trying to get a job. Couldn't, couldn't get a job. It was just, it was crazy. The hand of the Lord was on it. And... Um, uh, so I'm just like, I'm, I, I just go and just weep every day. I'm like, I'm done praying. Like, <laughs> I can't even talk at this point. I'm just weeping. Like, what is going on? Like, I'm doing everything I can to make this work. You know, I've, I left my job, my house, my, my friends and moved here and do ministry for you. You know, I did this for you. And, and, and uh, so long story short, you know, he, he breaks in. I start getting checks in the mail just from random people I have no idea what's going on I mean 
people I didn't even know. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, and so I'm just getting overwhelmed with blessing. I mean, crazy overwhelmed with blessing. And, um, and, uh, and I start to get uncomfortable with it at that point. Now I'm like, okay, you met my needs, but now it's getting really weird. You know, now I, 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 you know, I, I figure things out. I get things done. You know, I make it work. I make it come together. And now I'm feeling really out of control of this situation, you know. And it's like you're doing everything. And he's like, ta-da, light bulb. You know, he's like, hello, McFly. Um, and uh, so it's, uh, he, he just, and he, he began to speak to me now, you know, and he said, he's like, yes. He's like, that's what you do. He says, you never let me bless you. You know, he's like, if somebody tries to take you out for lunch, you try and fight them for the check. If someone tries to, you know, pick up a tab or something, you try and outmaneuver them. He's like, that, that's what you do with me, you know. He says, you never let me just be daddy. And he's like, I want to be daddy sometimes. And I want to bless you, not just meet your need, but I want to blow you up to the point that you feel super uncomfortable. And he's like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if you're uncomfortable right now. I don't care if this is too much. He's like, I want to blow you up sometimes with the Spirit of God because I'm dad and because I love you. And so there's this reality that we have to, you know, and I had to, I got a pretty harsh rebuke, you know, in that. And I was like, man, I do do that, you know. And I'm still doing that. <laughs> still working through that one. But, um, but he's like, I want you to invite me in. And so the reality is, is when we, uh, if we're going to let God begin to win little battles for us and begin to build the testimony of Jesus that will sustain us in the really difficult times and seasons of life, you've got to let him. You've got to let him. He wants to come in, but he, sometimes he will force himself in and kick the door down. But a lot of times he's like, I want you to let me in. I knock at the door. If you let me in, I'll start building the testimony of Jesus in your life. So let's, let's just commit in our hearts. God, I'm, I'm tired of putting my shoulder to the wheel. I'm tired of putting my shoulder to the wheel and making it happen. I'm tired of just like uh, covering up, you know, these little things, you know, these little challenges in my life because they're trivial and I don't want to bother you with them, you know. And it's like, you know, you've got other things to do and I've got other bigger issues and, and stuff like that. He's like, no, these are the places that I want to start. Like these are the, the little battles that I want to win for you. Because if you won't let me in here, you're not going to let me in when the big challenges come. He's saying, I want you to open the door when I knock. And I want you to let me in. And I want you to take your hands off the wheel and just allow me to steer and drive a little bit, you know? So if you uh, want to come up front, if there's anything that you want the Lord to speak to your heart, and we can pray for you, or you can just spend some few moments up here and just talk to the Lord. And if you, you have a challenge with that, you know, putting your shoulder to the wheel, and you want to ask the Lord for help, just come up and just get before Him and just begin to say, God, I want to build the testimony of Jesus in my life. If you have a desire to say, God, I want to be a voice. I want to be a voice that warns against the great falling away. But I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. 
Just come up and just get in His presence and just begin to talk to Him. It's like, God, equip me. Open doors for me. Ignite my heart. Give me wisdom and revelation. And if there's any other places, I don't know, that you just have, you just want to meet the Lord. It's like He's here today. His manifest presence is in our midst. Like we don't have to welcome Him. He's here. And He wants to touch us. And so we want to be a people that have our eyes set on the goal. People that, that recognize, like, this is where the globe is going. And I want to be a catalytic uh, moment. I want to be a, a, a fire starter in this process to say, I'm going to stand. I'm going to be that one that's saying, wait, look at Him. Look at Him. Set your eyes on Him. Fix your eyes on this kingdom of God. And let His glory come change your heart and your spirit so God loves you so much so so much he has so much in his heart for you so much he wants to do in your spirit so much that he's spoken so much that he believes about you that He wants to release and bring you into. So much fullness that's in His Spirit right now and saying, ah, I want you to touch this. I want you to taste this. And it's going to change you. It's going to change you. He's like, I want you to have that experience for me. You're going to be shocked when you stand before Him in the kingdom of glory. But He's saying, I wouldn't mind shocking you a little bit right now. He says in His Word that He says, no, uh, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things that I've prepared for those who love Me. But My Spirit has revealed it to you. So He's just making it known. He's like, there's a holy imagination that I want to begin to... Uh, unleash in you a holy imagination that begins to see the things of the eternal now today in this age that's going to blow your mind and he, he talks about when he when he spoke to nicodemus he said you know you can't understand earthly things like how, how are you going to understand when i begin to speak to you of heavenly things well in that age in the millennium we're going to see those heavenly things we're going to see those heavenly things. And as we study Scripture for gajillion years, we're going to see those heavenly things and we're going to read the Scripture and be like, oh, that's what he was talking about. That totally makes sense now. So it's just going to be incredible. So like I said, just come on up. And um, want anything? Say anything? Come on up and just stand before the Lord and let Him minister your hearts. Amen. Thank you, brother. Let's go ahead and stand. And if, uh, if you'd like some prayer, you know, there, there's, there's nothing normal about the Christian life. You know, just, just, just recently, I, it just this last weekend, um, I did a race. It was called the Turkey Trot. And I'm out there with all these thousands of people and, and it's cold and 
and I'm not a runner, and I'm saying there's nothing normal about this turkey trot. It, it's just it's hard and it's difficult, but you know there's a there's one of the things very special is that there's a prize that comes at the end of the race. You know you get a nice you know medal, but but having the crowd cheer me on, I'm I'm like one of the last ones, you know. I'm like, you know, barely making it across the line, but everybody's like cheering me on. Come on, you can do it. You know, it's like the cloud of witnesses. And, you know, our walk on this earth, there's many challenges and there's many things that we're going to encounter. But it's all for a prize. We all are going to receive a prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And we have a cloud of witnesses cheering us on right now. You know, they're saying, come on, it's, it's worth it. And the prize that we receive is our Lord and Savior. We get to see him face to face and be with him forever and ever. It's the greatest prize that we could ever receive is him. And until that day, he's here to help us and to prepare us and to be coming along our side and to be with us in the difficult times and in the trials till we get to the end. And to receive that well done, my good and faithful servant. But until that day, um, we need each other. We need each other because there's, there's difficulties, there's challenges that we're all facing that are buffeting, that are coming against us. But we need to stand together and encourage one another while it's still called today. So if you need any prayer in any area in your life, a struggle that you're going through, um, I got good news. Jesus says, come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. So in essence, as, a, as we come to him, we're able to receive from him all that we need that meets our very need on the inside. So if you need some prayer, I really want you to come on forward and receive prayer. And if not, I just want to bless you right now um, with his blessings as we end the service. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you're so faithful. You're so true. And Father, I pray that you'd bless and keep each and every one here. I'm asking, Father, that you would be gracious to each and every one and protect them. And that, Lord, you would lift up your countenance upon each and every one and give them your shalom peace. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. For the peace that goes beyond all understanding guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So, Father, I pray you bless each and every one. And, Father, I thank you for this wonderful church in Jesus' name. Amen.